It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. It is Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Nora Princiati. I am here with Steven Ruiz. He's debatably the best podcaster in franchise history. How's it going, Steven? <laughs> I just want to put it out there that I am not a victim. I just want to make it clear to everyone. I am not a victim. Don't put it in the paper that I'm a victim. Well, speak for yourself. Whether or not that's true, um, I guess remains to be seen. Uh, because we are here. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Spoiler alert. Because Rodgers was on Pat McAfee for about an hour. This afternoon, that was about an hour and a half ago at this point, Um, kind of a lengthy spot. He went for a while. He had a lot to say. Uh, And the news from that and credit where it's due, there was there was a little bit of news in that hour long appearance was that Roger said his intention is to play for the New York Jets. He said, I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get for me. So there are ongoing talks between the Packers and the Jets, and it seems like they're just working out what the trade package would be. Uh, but all signs continue to point to Aaron Rodgers becoming a New York Jet at some point, although we don't know how long it'll take them to work out uh, a trade package, assuming that is what happens. Um, Steven, did you did you watch the whole thing? Did you watch the whole hour-long Rodgers spiel? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, did you do this out of professional obligation or uh, genuine human interest? Uh, for like the first 30 seconds, first minute, it was human interest. And after that, it was like, this is my job and I'm, I'm paid to watch stuff like this. Because it, I, I mean, I lost interest almost immediately. Once they got <laughs> into the dark room talk and that's like what started the conversation, I feel like I was out. But then he finally gave, he did give us something. I'm happy that I stayed tuned because he did finally give us something. Yeah, I, I got it. So I'm with you. I think... I've had enough darkness retreat talk. Like I get it. It's a dark room. Cool. You didn't have a problem with doing it. Your thoughts slow down dinner at six o'clock, leave whenever you want. Cool. feel like I got it on the darkness thing. I've got to (laughs) say I was kind of riveted and I tend to think like Rogers, 
look, we're going to talk about a lot of the things that he said during this thing. I do think that anything this guy says, you have to take with a pretty big grain of salt. Um, This is someone who is going on and on and on about how uh, direct communication and transparency is so important to him, unless the the question was something that he didn't want to answer, in in which case he just equivocated. And obviously, uh, we know that sometimes he chooses his words carefully. But I did think that when he was just sort of going in on the Packers and going like, they have been so horrible to outgoing veterans. I haven't many times said I wish that people, you know, major figures in the NFL uh, were more willing to just sort of say their pieces and and put their cards on the table. I think Rodgers only does that very selectively. But credit where it's due. He he went there a little bit and I had fun watching, even though it got a little ridiculous towards the end. I liked when he went after the insiders. And we we rely on the insiders <laughs> as people in the business. So I don't want to like throw any shade at them, but it was it was a little funny. He went after Shepard. Okay. Here's the problem though. Here's the problem. I wish someone would ask him this. He also hates the idea of um of anonymous sources. But he also doesn't want anyone to contact him. And if you do a little bit of media media criticism here, you sort of can't have it both ways, right? Like you can't be saying Schefter lose my number. If anybody gets my number, don't contact me because I'm not going to tell you anything. And then say the media's reliance on anonymous sources means that it's all fabricated and fake. Like you can't have it both ways, dude. You can't when you're Aaron Rodgers. And are you accusing Aaron Rodgers of having a strong opinion on something that he doesn't really know about? Because <laughs> that would never happen. It would never happen. Uh, all right. Well, well. speaking of the insiders, do you want to go through a little bit the state of affairs with what's what seems like it's going on between the Packers and the Jets trying to get this done? Yeah. So, like, I'm a little confused, though. I'm a little confused okay. that, like, what what will the compensation be? I think that's the one thing that we haven't really gotten coverage of. And that's the question that I think, I don't know if it dictates the success of this move for both parties, but I mean, it's going to change opinions on on whether the Jets are getting a good deal here or whether they're getting something that's going to help them going forward and whether the Packers are going to be able to rebuild from this and how quickly. Yeah. So, okay. Where I see the parameters of this, and it is, you know, it's based on our insider friends. Uh, Tom Pelissero this morning, said that the talks were ongoing. There's no agreement to terms, uh, but the Packers are not looking for multiple firsts, like in the case of the Russell Wilson trade, like in the case of the Stafford deal. Then Adam Schefter on Get Up this morning said that the Packers are looking for something similar to what the Lions got for Matt Stafford, which was two firsts and a third, um, plus Jared Goff. Now, there's a those sound like different points, right? So there's a couple possibilities, I think. One is that we've got two different people who are reflecting the opinions of two different sides of um of this situation, right? That might be kind of where the where the the gap between the two sides trying to find some common ground is. The other possibility is that it's really easy right now to look at the Stafford deal and go, "Oh yeah, they got two firsts, a third, and Jared Goff." At the time that happened, the the consensus view was that the Lions agreeing to take on Jared Goff's salary was essentially responsible for the second first round pick in that deal. So if you if you get rid of that 
then those are kind of, you know, you're you're in the first round pick plus something ish range, which when you consider the fact that Aaron Rodgers is owed around $60 million this year, that I think seems reasonable. The Jets have the 13th pick this year. Um, you know, it's it's somewhere right in the middle there. I've got a figure that plus a little bit else probably gets this done. Um, but clearly the Packers are playing a little bit of hardball by saying, you know, we could wait. We could wait to the draft to try to trade this. We could wait and hold up your free agency process, right? I mean, the Jets already went and, and signed Alan Lazard. That'll be official later this afternoon. Who knows? They very well may be calling up Brandel Cobb, calling up Mercedes Lewis, like who else? But if if they don't know that this is going to happen, it makes stuff like that or other free agency moves that they want to continue to round out their roster with, that does make it hard. So uh, look, maybe this is just sort of the last round of hardball from Green Bay. Maybe they really are far apart. I guess we'll see. I've got to figure that this ends up in the first round pick plus a little something sweetener um, in there. Does that sound right? Yeah, and it makes sense for Green Bay to hold out for more. I mean, you're giving up, like Aaron Rodgers said, arguably the best player in franchise history. Boom. Who is still, like, we don't know if he's an elite quarterback. We don't know how much of his decline was based on the Packers supporting cast, which was well below average, I would say, compared to the rest of the NFL. Okay, can I just can I just pause you for a second there? Isn't there some degree of irony that, yes, we've talked about the supporting cast and it was obviously significantly weaker after they traded Devontae Adams, who was a big part of Rodgers' supporting cast during his career there, especially the latter part of his career there. There is this sort of central irony to me that here's this player who for a long time has seemed annoyed by uh, the players that the Packers put around him. And there's a conversation about the decline in his production that has to do with that. I think that part is is very legitimate. But there is a little bit of irony in the fact that it seems like what he wants very badly is for the same players who are around him in Green Bay to just go be around him in New York. Yes, it's so funny. It's like we talk about how quarterbacks, certain quarterbacks need uh, a certain level of supporting cast. And Aaron Rodgers is supposedly the a type of quarterback that doesn't need that. Like, he's supposed to be an elevator. He's supposed to lift up your franchise just by him being on your roster. But Aaron Rodgers, for some reason, wants a very particular supporting cast around him. And it involves Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro for some reason. And Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, that's the funny. I'm not saying, like, if Aaron Rodgers, probably I even still think at this point in his career, he's closer to an elevator than than dead weight, right? Like, there was a point right. in his career when he was winning MVPs where you really could make a legitimate argument. You can kind of have not anybody out there, but you can have a middle of the road supporting cast and this guy will make them shine. Now I I'm really never going to say that it doesn't matter to have someone like Devonte Adams. Like if you, if you move on from that guy, I don't care who your quarterback is. It's going to make a difference. We're not talking about Devonte Adams. We're talking about Randall Cobb and I love it. I just love it. That's why I don't even think it's going to matter if the Jets have to wait this thing out. Like, it's not like Aaron Rodgers right, wants the top free agents. Randall yeah, Randall Cobb is going to be available. He's got no no other plans. I have said my fair share of uh, at least skeptical things about Aaron Rodgers. I'll just be honest about that. Um, I don't always think he's particularly trustworthy. Guy takes care of his friends. 
Let's let's just be honest. Nuts. The guy takes care of his friends. Pat McAfee's getting you know five hundred thousand viewers on a random Wednesday and AJ Hawk's there for some reason. Why AJ is AJ Hawk not is saying there. a word? <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett got his best press in over a year. I mean, if, again, say what you want. I've said plenty. Aaron Rodgers is, seems like a, a guy you want to have in your corner. Um, but I guess we'll, you know, when when Blue of Earth becomes a, a pivotal <laughs> member of the Jets front office, then we'll know for sure. But he he takes care of his guys. He certainly does. And like, I guess the question that really is going to decide whether this is a successful move for the Jets is, I don't, I don't think compensation really matters. I think it comes down to how good is Aaron Rodgers still. If he's MVP Aaron totally. Rodgers, the price won't matter. Like, even if they give up two first-round picks, no one's going to complain about that in two years if they're, like, in the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game. And if he if he's, like, Russell Wilson, it won't matter if they get him without trading a first-round pick. Everyone's still going to consider this a failure. So... I think that's the question is how much does Aaron Rodgers have left? And it's a hard question to answer because of the supporting cast stuff from last year. There were reports about the new receivers kind of having trouble adjusting to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers calling audibles that may not exist in the system any longer. That may have been an issue. But I think when you look at the numbers, you really drill down into them. You could still see some evidence that Rodgers still has some high level play left in him. The type of play that might win him another MVP award. But then you look at where he fell off last year, and it just so happens to be all the areas that Devontae Adams thrived in the year before, like catching bubble screens and turning those into valuable gains, which don't right. that doesn't usually happen. Devontae Adams is the only person that can catch a, a bubble screen like regularly during a game and produce good results. That went away last year. Aaron Rodgers didn't get a lot of production off those bubble screens last year. The the catches over the middle, those are tough catches to make. It's usually the, the receivers that make a lot of money that are able to make those catches, especially like in the deeper parts of the field. That was all Dev- Devontae Adams. The Packers got none of that last year. But like the other stats that Rodgers can control on his own, like his accuracy, for instance, that didn't really change from the year before. So I, I'm wondering right. if like we talked about Rodgers being an elevator still. I think last year suggested that that ability has kind of fallen off. But at the same time, he had Devontae Adams for all those years. So maybe maybe he was this quarterback the whole time and losing Devontae Adams kind of exposed that maybe he was a cut below what we thought he was at his height, like at, at his MVP best over the past two years before 2021 or 2022. I mean, so I, I think it's a fair question to ask. And I think it's a fascinating question to ask. My inclination, like from watching him on film all last year is, He's still a top 10 quarterback at the very least. Right. The question is, is he a top five quarterback? I don't know because I think the one area where you started to see him really decline, like in his own individual game, had nothing to do with the players around him, was mobility. He stopped scrambling and he stopped escaping pressure. And those are the first things to go when you get older. We're seeing that with Russell Wilson too. And I don't know if he's going to get that back just moving to a a different roster with better players around him. Well, so, so to answer your question... And because where I fall on this is I, I don't think, look, I don't think he's, I don't think the smart money is to say that he's going to be an MVP player again, a top five quarterback for the Jets next year and the next couple of years before, you know, whenever he decides to retire. I also don't think that this is that, that there's really any reasonable evidence that this is likely to turn into a Russell Wilson situation. So the question is just, is it, you know, what's worth it to the Jets? And is it worth it to the Jets if 
he's good, but he's something less to the back-to-back MVP player that he was a couple years ago who did do that with throwing to Devontae Adams a lot. And I, I think it's the the thing that'll be interesting to see just, you know, assuming this works out and and assuming he enters that offense and what it looks like is how explosive they can be. Because Aaron Rodgers, one thing that hasn't changed and has been a constant throughout his career is that he's really, really protective of the football, which is great. That's a total asset to his game. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. But the combination of the decline in mobility plus losing the go-to guy who could catch those deeper passes in particular over the middle or, or, or elsewhere, but particularly over the middle in Devontae Adams, really limited their explosiveness last season because he loses a little bit of the ability to extend the play and he doesn't have the guy who he trusts to throw those deeper passes to. Plus, he's just... he His disposition is to be careful with the ball and try to avoid those mistakes. And when you're working with guys that, you know, as Aaron Rodgers would bring up, you don't know as well, he's more likely to avoid the high-risk, high-reward throws, it it turns into a situation where Aaron Rodgers is not doing the things that Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be great at. And I don't think that that, you know, I don't, I don't think he's washed up. I still think he's got a lot to offer. I don't think he has everything to offer, but I think the biggest sort of question mark and the biggest factor that would influence whether this goes well or whether this goes poorly, um, you know, assuming a sort of middle of the road, any reasonable compensation package here is, is going to be significant, right? So if he turns out to be Russell Wilson, as you said, like that's terrible. But the question to me is just like, who who can catch the deep ball? Who does he trust to do that? Um, and can he develop, you know, I'm not saying a Devontae Adams level of chemistry with, with Garrett Wilson right off the bat, but can you get something that sort of starts to replace that level of, one, ability, but two, trust so that he will make those throws. Because if he doesn't think that they're going to connect, he, he won't do it because he's consistently shown that he is a careful player in that way, which is a which is a good asset. But without the person who earns that trust, I do think that there's a missing piece in just kind of getting an offense with Aaron Rodgers to click. So that's what I would be curious about if I were the Jets, particularly given the fact that, you know, you have the Offensive Rookie of the Year on your roster. Your number one receiver is going to be that guy. It's not going to be Alan Lazard. It's not going to be, you know, name your other veteran, former Packer, pass catcher. You know who that's going to be. So what that looks like, I think, will have a huge impact on whether or not this works out. Yeah, and to your point, like, those throws over the middle were not completely replaced, but partly replaced by just Aaron Rodgers chucking it outside the numbers downfield. He made a lot of those throws that those low percentage, I I don't trust the guy, but I know this is a safe throw. If you throw it deep, like nothing bad's going to happen. Right. Maybe an interception. Yeah. So he he made a bunch of safe throws. His A dot actually went up last year, even though he didn't have but not over the middle. Receiver. But not over the middle. He was throwing more shorter passes over the middle. So I, I do think that's a good question. I think like Garrett Wilson, right off the bat, what he's going to be able to replace or replicate that Devontae did was catching those bubble screens and, and doing damage after the catch. We saw that during his rookie year. We saw that at Ohio State. 
that's a skill set that's going to continue to be a strength for him going forward. So he's going to have that. And I, I totally agree with you. It's going to come down to his chemistry with Wilson and how quickly they can get that going. Because his, his chemistry with Devontae Adams was forged over like five years. Devontae like really broke out, I would say like maybe the last four years in Green Bay. Maybe I'm, I'm shorting him a, a year or two. But there was a time when he wasn't really that star receiver, when he was more of a role player. And there was a time like early in his career where he was struggling, where he didn't like, he wasn't putting up the best numbers. I know he had a good rookie year, but the next two years were kind of off and on. So it, it took time for Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL right now, and maybe one of the best we've ever seen. I, it's it's going to be tough to get that in year one. So now the question becomes, how long are we committed to this? Is this a one-year thing? Is this a two-year thing? Is it a year-by-year thing? Kind of like it was for Brady in Tampa Bay. There's a lot of question marks. I think this, this is a move that makes sense for the Jets. Where they were, they're a young team. It's always hard, like betting on a window staying open long enough. Like I think it would have been a mistake to try to like let's do the Zach Wilson thing again. Maybe we'll be better this year. So I, I kind of like them going for it and going for a quarterback. It's just the chances of this turning out like it did for Tom Brady. I think are much are much longer. I don't think it, I don't think it's as sure of a thing. And at the same time, I recognize that we were having all of these same conversations about Tom Brady before he went to Tampa Bay. Maybe yeah. even like more pessimistic conversations because at the end of New England, it, it didn't look good for Brady, but he went down to Tampa Bay and it like turned around immediately. Now he had more, I would say he had even more help in Tampa Bay than Rodgers is going to get with the Jets. But it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I think like we're all guessing now and we, we really don't know how this is going to turn out. And we really don't know how the rest of the Jets roster is going to look. Like we're basing we're basing our perception of what the Jets could be next year based on what they were last year. And what we know, we know what they were last year. They were a team that played really, really, really good defense. And what right. do we know about defense year to year? It's volatile. Very, it's very hard to keep a defense together. So the jet, it's not like we're dropping Aaron Rodgers into the 2022 jets. We're dropping them into the 2023 jets. And we have no idea what that team looks like. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's a, very good point about the defense. Maybe I'm falling into that trap a little bit because at the same time, there's nothing they can do about that, right? Yeah, Other yeah. than make decisions about, okay, with the resources that you have left, do you want to put them into the defense? Do you want to put them into the offense? The The 2022 Jets were still a surprisingly potent team. And some of those players, look, the reason that defense tends to be so variable has a lot to do with interceptions can go one way or another. Sacks can go one way or another. Impact plays are so significant for defensive football, and that can be really, really random. We'll see what happens next year. That doesn't mean that those players aren't still good, right? That doesn't mean that Sauce Gardner isn't still a really, really, really good cornerback. It doesn't mean that that defensive front isn't still pretty scary. And it, they've made upgrades on the offensive line. Brees Hall's coming back. It's a good team it's a good team. I think with a, a, a pretty decent coaching staff that has overachieved to this point and Aaron Rodgers, he might not be back to back MVP caliber, but he is a very good quarterback. This is a very good roster. They are also the New York jets and <laughs> Rodgers is a weird guy who comes with a lot of baggage and who is getting up there in years and you start to look for the downswing at some point. So there's all sorts of reasons to be, be skeptical, but I don't want to stress those so much that we sort of forget to say, Hey, this is a very good roster. 
this is one of the 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 AFC is so stacked that I don't quite know. You know, it's very hard to say. Oh, you're a Super Bowl contender because um, hi, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And even in the division, like you got to get past the Bills. The Dolphins might be scary. Who knows? But this is a good team. So I, yeah. I find it very hard to fault the Jets for going for this because it, there's a, in a weird way, it's sort of like you have this option to just go out and it costs you a bunch of money and a first round pick and something else and we'll see. But you have this option to go get this player who, and maybe this was a little bit more true when he was a little bit more mobile and a little bit younger, but who plays like what the best possible outcome of Zach Wilson ever could have been. Right. And you needed a do-over. The draft pick was bad. You And, and you had an opportunity for it. And I don't know if it's going to work, but I, I certainly can't blame him for trying. Yeah, it's worth making the bet. And it, like, you can make the argument that them going for a more modest option at quarterback would have been an example of them thinking that 2022 is going to happen all over again and they just need an improvement at quarterback because their quarterback position was so bad last year. Right. That like if you drop Jimmy G into that same team, they probably win like 11 games. And I could see the front office convincing them that if they go out and get Jimmy G, who could be had for much less than what Aaron Rodgers is going to come for. Right. That you could make the playoffs. So maybe this is them like reaching for the stars. But I, I, I don't know. And I also think that we have to take into account that Aaron before Aaron Rodgers' two straight MVP seasons, there were like some, some lean years. There were three years when we were thinking like, is this guy, we were, ha- we were asking the same questions we were asking right now. Like, is this guy washed up? As Aaron reminded us this afternoon, everyone thought he was done. Everyone thought he was done. But now we could say four out of the last six years haven't been so great. Four out of six is a significant sample, in my opinion. and. Fancy man. The only two good years came with Devontae Adams. And guess who's not coming to New York next year? <laughs> Devontae Adams. Yeah, that was that. that um, Roger said he didn't make demands, uh, but that would have been a nice demand to make. Don't think they could have gotten it done, but. No. I, I have a hard time. Look, Devontae's a special player, but there's sort of two separate conversations, right? Is it literally not having Devontae Adams or is it not having a number one receiver who can can scare an opponent in a significant way? And if it's that, and I'm not saying that that Garrett Wilson right now is that, but I think you're in a better position in New York next year than with the the Packers group right now because they just didn't have anyone scary. Um, and... I think that makes a difference. It might not make the entire difference of, of having Devonte Adams, one of the best receivers in the entire NFL, if not the best, someone with exceptional chemistry with Rogers that was forged over the course of years. But there's, there's a difference between not having that and just not having anything scary. And I think it's at least worth the, the benefit of the doubt that that might've been more significant than just, Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams is not a good quarterback. Yeah, I do think that's fair. Like, the, the Packers had a bad receiving core. Alan Lazard, I know Aaron Rodgers <laughs> thinks the world of him, but Alan Lazard is, like, maybe, like, a below average, a mediocre... If you're optimistic, uh, an average number two receiver. 
And he was their most reliable receiver last year. Like Christian yeah. Watson came on at the end, but he was mostly like catching jet sweeps and stuff. Uh, Romeo Dobbs. Well, and it just took forever for those guys to get integrated into the offense. It's, it's fair for you to point that out, though, because if we talk about the end of the year, it, it, it did look a little bit different. But at the beginning of the year, I mean, Alan Lazard, <laughs> question mark. You're right. The, ne- the next logical question, though, is how good is, is LaFleur? I think we're about to find out because now that's the person that he's losing. He's leaving LaFleur who kind of resurrected his career. I don't know how much credit goes to LaFleur for getting Aaron Rodgers back on that MVP track and how much of it has to do with just Rodgers playing better, but it happened under LaFleur's watch. And we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers play good football without LaFleur since 2014. That was like eight years ago. And now he's going to uh, an offensive coordinator who was not only fired out of Denver, but basically laughed out of Denver for how incompetent he was. And I know Aaron Rodgers thinks the world of him too. I don't know why that, maybe they just make each other laugh or something, but there's question marks (laughs) about the coaching staff too. Like Robert Sala, it seems to have a good grasp on how to create a good defense, but the Jets haven't had a good offense under his watch. He just fired his first offensive coordinator hire. Now he's hiring someone who seems to be linked with Aaron Rodgers. And maybe the only reason they hired him was to get Aaron Rodgers who doesn't have the best reputation and the best track record as a play caller. So I think that's another question. And like when you start stacking these questions on top of one another, it's hard for me to be overly optimistic about this team's chances for, and another reason why is something you've already mentioned. They're in the same division as the bills. They're in the same conference as the chiefs. They have to play again. They have to beat the the Bengals in the playoffs. They have to beat the chargers in the playoffs. They have to beat the dolphins in the playoffs. They have to beat the Ravens in the playoffs. There are so many good teams in the AFC that I really wonder what the how the Jets' front office views this roster now, like assuming they get Aaron Rodgers, which is a safe assumption. Like, how do they view this team? I think they think they're a contender. I think they think they're a real contender. I just don't think, first of all, that's, I think that's NFL brain a little bit, but I don't think that you do this if you don't think that you belong in the conversation with that group of teams that you just listed. So do you think this this is the first of a lot of aggressive moves? Or do you think... That that's my question. I wonder where they go from here. Is it sort yes. of because the Bucks the Bucks already had a roster in place, so they could afford to just hire Brady's friends. They could afford to do that, and they could get away with that. Rodgers, like the Jets, have Wilson. It seems like they're getting rid of Corey Davis. They have Alan Lazard. Like that's not the 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 twenty nineteen Bucks. So I, I do wonder where they go from here. Is it Odell Beckham? Do they make a, a move for may, maybe DeAndre Hopkins? I, I think they need to add a lot more if they're going to fancy themselves contenders by the time September rolls around because the Chiefs, they're on another another tier and the Jets were several tiers below that and I don't think Aaron Rodgers gets them to that same spot. I, I think the Jets will end up being very, very, very aggressive. Uh, let's let's not forget that this this regime with Zach Wilson as the presumptive quarterback tried to go get Tyreek Hill last year, Right. I remember spending some time last training camp um, both at the Jets facility and the Giants facility. And we were doing, because it was when we did that all in week about like the teams that are super, super aggressive. And I was asking around because there was this funny thing where there was sort of like optimism about both New York franchises who, you know, spoiler alert, haven't had all that much recent success. So I was sort of poking around and trying to trying to see how they felt about their rosters after making a bunch of high draft picks and ended up realizing that 
the viewpoints of those two front offices were really, really different because all of the Giants people came from Buffalo. And I think that Buffalo is sort of the only... You could make a certain argument about Cincinnati, but Buffalo to me is the standard bearer of a good current football team in a window that is sort of the only one that remains fiscally conservative, let's say. Like that that's still a team that doesn't go crazy and mortgage its future and sort of believes in paying off the credit card as you go as opposed to racking up a bunch of of debt and worrying about it later when those when that regime um with Brandon Bean came in there, they had to to clear all of that money uh, in all the dead cap in Josh Allen's first year. And I think they sort of thought, okay, now that we've cleared this up, we're going to be sort of responsible as, as we build this forward. And, and responsible actually might be a bad choice of words because sometimes the smarter decision is to do it the other way, um, even though that can have a lot of risk that goes along with it. But I think the, the bills look at their organization as behaving differently from someone like the Rams. I think a lot of that has rubbed off on the Giants because they all worked there. We've seen them start going through something fairly similar. The Jets are not like that. Um, I remember I, I pulled up the piece because I remember asking Sala about it. And he basically said, if you have an established quarterback, he believed in being, quote, ultra aggressive um, was how he termed it. And he did bring up that they had gone and tried to get Tyreek. So I actually think the Jets would love to be a kind of Rams-like team that takes those big, risky swings. And the only reason they hadn't been functioning so much that way was, one, they'd tried and, you know, Tyreek said no. Um, But also because the quarterback situation was so murky, at least from their viewpoint, because they still were holding out hope that Wilson would develop into something that they didn't feel quite comfortable taking those swings, but it didn't mean that they didn't want to make them. So I I do think that we'll see a lot of aggressive deal-making come from Joe Douglas, come from from the Jets along with them. Um, Although you have to bear in mind that their resources will be strapped a little bit uh, if they do get this done. But I think the ethos will definitely be, let's go all in. Then the next question is, who do they go out and get? And maybe it feels like they are a year too late because there are a lot of stars traded in the last couple of years. And then we've seen Jalen Ramsey get traded. We've seen Tyreek Hill get traded. We saw A.J. Brown get traded. I can't think of anybody, and maybe these guys pop up later and maybe we just haven't heard about it. I can't think of anyone right now outside of DeAndre Hopkins who's getting older. He's very expensive. And... He's coming off a year where he was suspended for PEDs. I don't know if that's the same as investing into Tyreek Hill, who was still a star player when he was traded from uh, Kansas City. So that's my other question is like, what could you even add to this team? Maybe all you end up adding is Alan Lazard and maybe a, a hobbled Odell Beckham who's coming off in right. a season that he didn't play at all. There aren't a lot of like star pieces out there. So they have they may have to be even more aggressive to go get those guys. And like you said, they're they're going to have fewer resources to do that. It's going to be tough, but I think Joe Douglas is a good GM. I think he's going to figure out ways to to fill out the holes in the roster and work around whatever limitations they have resource-wise. I I have confidence in him doing that. My question is the coaching staff, Aaron Rodgers' age, and the rest of the Jets' roster. It's, I 
I'm not optimistic about this trade, if, if that's not clear. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think about Rogers and the Big Apple? Oh man! At, at what point do you think he deletes his Twitter account and stops talking? Never, because it's going. Never. No, it's going to happen. Never. It's going to happen for what one about week. The entire history of Aaron Rodgers tells you that this man has any ability to log off. That's a good point. He did linger around on the the McAfee broadcast for like an hour. <laughs> Dude, he's probably he still on just there, like chatting, naming names. Getting Schefter to, to tweet out screenshots. That was great, by the way. I loved that. I think we brought this up on a pod a couple of weeks ago, but like, who is Aaron Rodgers doing this at is a question you always have to ask. He always has like a, not a victim in mind, but like he always has a target in mind when he's doing something. I'm convinced of that. Like he, he's, we saw the Schefter and Rossini shots that he took during the interview. I'm sure he, he, he dropped in some subtle ones that we didn't even pick up on yet. That we have to go back and review the tape. Yeah, by the way, not fooling anyone pretending he doesn't know how to say Diana Rossini. Like, yeah, you had that queued up. I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but you name dropped every single NFL insider ever. And you're, you're trying to convince us that you don't know their names. You have alerts on. What did you think about Schefter only having four unread texts? That's amazing because I have like a hundred in my, he's not in any group. He's not in any group chats. Yeah, I was, I felt really humbled by that personally because people are not anywhere near as interested in texting me as they are in Adam Schefter. And let's see, let's open it up right now. 208. He's not in any group chats. That's what that tells me. (laughs) I don't know. Based on what I know about uh, uh, (laughs) a lot of insidering, that would surprise me. I think he's just vigilant. I mean, he, so the, the four on reds, he had a fully charged phone battery, but was already in power save mode. I mean... Wow, you studied the tape. It's it's the... You, you don't know screenshots, Stephen Ruiz. It's the first day of, of, of um, free agency. He's got to like... He's got to be all, all ready to go. I was impressed by that. I thought that was a veteran move uh, by, by Shefty. 
showing us showing us what he's working with on the on the phone. But yeah, did I you notice he deleted he deleted his first text that drew the text from Rogers? Well, did he delete it or did he do the thing where you you sort of like pull it all the way up to the top and then just take that photo and crop it? He doesn't have the finger dexterity to do that. Actually, that's probably not that's true because that man true. spends on his phone all day. Yeah, he's like a it, Adam Schefter. That guy is like he's like the he Pat Mahomes of operating his phone. Totally. Um, we were talking about Rogers in New York. It, it it's going to be funny. There's going to be some moments, funny. but I don't think he's ever going to log off. No, he won't. I, I think the whole like New York media thing is kind of overrated. I don't think it's going to matter, especially for a guy like Rogers. He's been in the spotlight his whole career, basically. I I, I really don't think it's going to affect him. This man was forged in the the Brett Favre retirement watch. If you if that's your first exposure to professional football, that media storm, I think you're going to be fine. You can you can take on anything. Who's oh, the the New York Post beat writer is going to intimidate Aaron Rodgers with like a, a spicy question? So I tend to agree. I tend to agree. And look, very it's very clear that that in Green Bay and Malibu, wherever he's hanging out. Um, Aaron Rodgers is already taking a lot of note about what people are are saying and reporting and doing in the NFL media. So uh, something's already happening. I do think like something is going to happen the first day that he gets up and and does a press conference. Somebody's going to raise their hand and say, "How do you feel about the Johnson Johnson guy who you've said as part of Big Pharma wanted to paint you as a villain? How do you feel about the fact that that guy's signing your your sixty million dollars worth of checks this year?" And he's not going to like it. And I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen in in Green Bay or anywhere else. I think it's more that that stuff just happens when you go to a new team because there's just sort of this big splash where everybody wants to bring everything up and nobody sort of, nobody knows each other. Nobody has relationships. Some of that stuff is going to happen and it's going to be messy. That's that's my only point. I don't know that it has anything to do with, with New York, but I do think that that's happening. No, I do agree. But like we have to remember the messiest season of, of Aaron Rodgers' career happened to coincide with an MVP campaign. Yeah, COVID no, year, that, that might be the he, best possible outcome for, for yeah. the Jets, right? It's like make him really mad about something. If we get a new pandemic, Aaron Rodgers is good. They might go 17-0 and win a Super Bowl. Steven. I'm not advocating for that. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. I'm anti-pandemic. I just want to make, make that <laughs> Thanks clear. Thanks for clarifying that. We all, as we all are. Uh, let's see. Am I missing anything? You know, we. Uh, he said that he finished the year thinking he was 90% going to retire, but the thought process started to change in the darkness. And then he came out and he had a bunch of texts saying that was the Packers. That was, that was a lie. I'm calling him out. He it, made that up. <laughs> It's very That's hard part to of verify what goes on in the darkness. Well, we've we've come out of the darkness. I feel in the light on this whole situation now, in part thanks to Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee, chat with us for for quite some time. Let's end this on a predictive note, Stephen. Where do you think the Jets finish their season in 2023, assuming they get this deal done with Rodgers? Like assuming that they don't add a player or two that really moves the needle for them. I still think this is the third best team in the division. And I know there are a lot of question marks surrounding Tua's health and how that's going to affect the Dolphins. But I think if they're healthy, the Dolphins are healthy. Let's just assume every team in the NFL is going to be healthy and have their full roster. I think they're the third best team in the division still. Because we, when the Dolphins were riding high last year, that was maybe one of the three best teams in football. 
And I think they've gotten better. They've gotten a new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio, who I think makes them a lot better. They've gotten Jalen Ramsey, who I think changes the math for them on, on defense. And that was a big problem for them last year. I really like the Dolphins. I like I might pick the Dolphins at, to win the AFC East. And then I think the Bills, you have I'm never going to count them out as long as Josh Allen's playing and playing at a high level. So, like in their own division, I think they're third. In the AFC, I, I would say they're going to struggle to win a wild card spot. I think they're going to be like a five, six, seven seed contender. And that's as that's as high as I'm willing to put them until they get like a star wide receiver or another star pass rusher or something along those lines. Can you think of anyone who would fit that mold right now? I know a lot of, of people who would fit that description, they're going to have a hard time going and getting because even, you know, okay, the, the Broncos want a first for Jerry Judy. I don't know that that's happening, but it, it's hard to find the names that would equal those splashes that right. are out there on the market right now. Yeah. So no, I, I really don't like Deandre Hopkins, maybe. And I, I don't know if I would even consider him that type of player at this point in his career based on the last couple of years and his health concerns and sure. obviously the PED thing. So uh, I can't think of one. Maybe one will emerge eventually. So really you think they're, they're trying to squeak into the wild card. Yes. I'm with you that they're not the they're not the best team in their division. I would give that to the Bills. Uh, I just there are, there's so much uncertainty with Miami. I feel like if you sort of average out all the outcomes, I got a little bit more nervous on it than I yeah. think you do. But I agree with you. I think I think they're solidly a wild card team. I think they I, I think you could feel pretty good about making the playoffs. It's really hard when you can't when they don't feel like the best team in the division, it gets really hard, right? Because then you start talking about some of the teams that they would have to face in a potential wildcard round. And that AFC is just, it's just really stacked. Right. Let's list the teams and say, like, who are they better than? Are they better than the Ravens? Well, that's that we can't answer. Yeah, that's, that That is the, you know, that is the $190 million question or whatever. Does this, does this make them better than the Bengals? I would say no. No, I agree. No. How about the Chargers? Sigh. Yeah, I, I think that's the appropriate response. I don't want to say yes. Like, I, I, I want to say no. I feel like it should be no. But also, when are, when are we going to start factoring everything the Chargers have ever done into Never. their personal history and evaluation? Never. We're both going to pick them to to make the playoffs. I'll give them better than the Chargers. How about the Jaguars? Who? Yeah. See, that's the one that I don't know about the Jaguars. I I would give you the Chargers because I think the Chargers offseason is off to a shaky start. I don't know about the Jaguars. And the fact that we're even asking this question and, and having trouble coming up with an answer kind of speaks to what I've been saying. Like, if you're if you're being compared to the Jaguars, you're not catching the Chiefs. And that's what you yes, have to do for that this to I be a success. With. That I agree so, with. I don't know. But I do, I, I think they would, I think they would deserve to be considered better than the Jaguars. I will say this, Jets fans. It's it's sure gonna beat watching Zach Wilson play every week. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, this has been the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. Thank you to Steven. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins for additional production supervision. 